Hi, and welcome back to the Beyond the Peloton podcast. This is your host, Spencer Martin. Uh, today, we are just going to, uh, I'm going to break down Ineos' tactics from yesterday's stage six and what that says about the team, um, if they're as strong as in years past, and uh, what, what that means for, uh, I guess, most, uh, most pressing the weekend ahead, which, which these two kind of difficult stages. I was going to combine it with some thoughts from today's stage seven, but it was so um, subdued, or maybe if you're going to be a little harsher, boring. Um, I don't even think there's anything there to to pull out. Uh, Caleb Ewan won the bunch sprint pretty uh, with pretty commanding victory, and it's kind of clear at this point that if he's put in the position position to to win, he can do it at this Giro. He's just the best sprinter here by a long shot. I mean, the the finish didn't even really suit him today, and his Lotto team has struggled with positioning, especially on stage one where he wasn't even positioned to sprint. But man, they really reversed that today. He looked fantastic. The team looked great kind of shoved it back in uh, everyone's faces who said they they stunk, which is me. So uh, noted, Ladus at all. You guys looked incredible. Great win. So I'm going gonna go, I'm gonna to go into my race notes from stage six and walk through um, how Ineos tried to uh, blow the race up. They, they were successful in dropping the pink jersey Alessandro de Marchi, uh, but they, they didn't really get rid of any other uh, big GC favorites, at least before the final climb. They did put some time into people on the final climb, which is not insignificant. So we'll get into those n- notes now. So big takeaways from today are uh, Egan Bernal is in great shape, looking fantastic. His Ineos team might not be as strong as we've seen in the past. I mean, I'll say that just definitely they're not as strong. That That's a little bit weird, a little bit interesting, could make the race quite interesting. And that Remco Evanapol is for real. Um, I've kind of been skeptical of this guy. I've been doubting him over the past, I don't know, a few months. I just, he's, he's never really, he doesn't have like a great uh, win profile. He doesn't win a lot. He, the biggest race he's ever won is Classica San Sebastian, which I'd say is a B to C rate one day race. I've never really seen him climb before. He's never raced a Grand Tour before. He's only 21. He's coming off a pelvic fracture, but Setting all that aside, he looked quite, quite, quite comfortable on that long, long climb today. That was hard. That Enios was trying very, very hard to make him, to put him in trouble. Um, I would actually say Enios worked hard all day specifically to put him in trouble and couldn't do it. Uh, he finishes equal with Bernal at the finish, 12 seconds behind the stage winner, Gino Mater. Uh, he doesn't get the time bonus. Uh, Bernal puts six seconds into him via time bonuses, so... Um, that's, that's the one maybe slight weakness you would say where I thought he, you know, he's, I would think he's a more explosive rider than Bernal, but Bernal looked actually pretty commanding and pretty strong in that little sprint at the end. He even beat Dan Martin, who is normally a very, very good mountaintop sprinter. So that, that'd be the one little crack in, crack in the armor there, but, uh, he looks great. It's early, too early to say anything for sure, but, um, Remco is here to stay. I think, I think he's going to be a problem all the way through, which is great for us. A bernal Evanapol battle is going to be great viewing. Bahrain gets a big win considering their GC leader, Mika Landa, who was looking fabulous, by the way. Uh, had a really, really, really bad crash yesterday in the final like 15K. No, final 5K. Uh, broke his collarbone, broke five ribs, punctured a lung, I believe, and like sadly had to leave the race. I was very excited for to see Landa to see what he could do. He's had a lot of promise for a long time, but has never really delivered on that. But he looked really strong this year. So bummer to see him go. Bahrain comes comes back out today, gets in the break. They get Matty Motorich up there with Gino Mater. Motorich drives it all day, uh, gets Mater the stage win. So great, great, great result for Bahrain. Um, pr- pretty cool to see them do that. 
back in the peloton, uh, Egan Bernal, Dan Martin, Giulio, Giulio Ciccone, and Remco Evenepoel finish uh, 12 seconds behind behind Mater. Um, I really thought they were going to catch him. Bernal was leading that group for like the last 1.5K pretty much. Uh, he looked really, really, really hesitant to do so. I think that was a mistake. I'll talk about that in a little bit, though. Ineos broke broke the race up with like 65k to go. It was like a really impressive show of force. the The stage was like really rainy, really bad weather. Um, that's kind of like becoming the theme. But the Giro, that is often the theme of the Giro. May in Italy is very rainy. Um, they go to, especially on these mountain stages where you get a little bit higher elevation. It's really rainy and really cold. Uh, and it presents a, a lot of opportunities to catch some riders out if they're cracking due, due to those conditions. But yeah, 65k to go. They crest the, the actually the highest climb of the day. There was like two big climbs in the day. It was the one at 65k to go and then the one at the finish. Um, Ineos just takes over from Israel Startup Nation, who had been controlling the race for Alessandro de Marchi and just like destroys the race. It's kind of interesting to see because you don't normally see a team of the of a rider who isn't leading the race riding like they're controlling the race since one of the big advantages of not leading the race is not having to control the race so that was like kind of odd and, and interesting uh they they dropped a marquee i mean israel startup nation was like they they were totally totally cooked at this point in the race they had been probably controlling it since the start we didn't really get to see a lot of that because rye the local broadcaster cannot cannot broadcast in rain for some reason but I'm assuming they were on the front for the whole day. And at this point, they're cooked. They're just not a very strong team. Um, that's kind of, yeah, they, especially if you're trying to control a race like this Euro and you're not a super strong team, it's really tough. Um, and that's what happened here. Dan Martin doesn't wait for him, obviously, because Dan Martin is a leader in his own right. So it's like Dan Martin makes it in the Ineos group, but DeMarkey and the a lot of a lot of riders, but not a lot of important riders. I mean, they really didn't ice, they didn't drop anyone of any significance in my opinion i might be missing someone but it looked impressive they dropped the pinctures but looking back i'm wondering what was that all for because then they they're pretty much on the front from 62 65k to go pretty much until the very end i mean they used a lot of energy and they used a lot of ghana i mean Filippo ghana was was incredible today like he was the one who broke the race up and he just kind of sat on the front for what seemed like the last three hours of the race, like setting a really hard pace. So let's let's dive into this. Let's talk about a few things, and then we'll dive into that decision. Um, Roman Bardet, Giulio Ciccone, and Alberto Bediol attack on another descent at 45k to go. It looks cool. It's like, oh, Roman Bardet is back. This is what he does. He attacks on wet descents because he's such a good bike handler. This happened at the 2015 Tour de France when... Chris Froome crashed and he almost won on stage 18, 19, something like that. Um, and, and it looked good. And they, and they had like a minute gap. And it was, Betty All looked incredible. Bet, Betty All is the strongest I've ever seen him. But then that, this all doesn't make, this, this actually doesn't make any sense because they get caught with, uh, right before the final climb, because Enios is working so hard. And then it's like, well, what, what was the point of that? I mean, all of all of those three guys are strong enough to, except Betty All. Um, the other two are strong enough to. They, this all made sense for Betty All. And Chaconi wasn't working, so Betty All was yelling at him. But it makes total sense that Chaconi wouldn't work because he's just like covering his butt by getting in that move, 
And, and of course he's not going to work. I don't know. The whole thing was weird. I don't know why Betty all was yelling at him so much. Um, there really was no incentive for him to work because he pretty much knew they were going to be caught before the final climb anyway. And Betty all know, I mean, Betty all's incentivized to go because if he wins the stage, he gets the Maglio Rosa. It's probably one of the only times in his career that he can, he can do that. So uh, that makes sense from him. Uh, Bardet, I guess, was stage hunting, but they never had a big enough gap to hold him off. I mean, they, at most, they had a minute. So, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't love this from Ciccone. He gets, he gets distanced by two seconds in the end. If, he doesn't, if he's not in this move, maybe he's winning out of that Bernal group. Maybe he gets second and he gets a time bonus. I mean, he needs to be the GC leader for, for track, uh, not, not Vincenzo Nibali. That's clear now. He, he, he's like playing two roles. He keeps getting them breakaways. Like he's, he's their breakaway guy. And he's also their GC guy, which isn't sustainable. Before the final climb, just a few notes I have is Alexander Vlasov was putting on a rain jacket and it was like really high pace. Like it looked like it was like 30, 35 miles an hour and Vlasov is putting on a rain jacket, which shows he's desperate. He must've been freezing cold trying to get that thing on. And you can see behind him, Hugh Carthy is like shaking his hands, like slamming his hands against the air, trying to warm him up. Also means he's really desperate and cold. And right then it's like, well, I, I just kind of had this feeling that, well, like if these guys are this cold now, like they're going to get dropped on the final climb, they're going to crack. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, at 19K to go, Rimko is eating a gel, like, but instead of just putting his hand up to his mouth, like a normal person would eat a gel, he was like, had his hands in like a prayer position on the handlebars and was like bending down to eat it. I thought that was really weird. I don't know if he was just that cracked, if he was that cold and he couldn't think clearly or what was going on there, but. I thought that was really odd. I mean, he he rode really well in the final climb, so clearly he was fine. But at the time, I was thinking, like, God, he is so screwed. He doesn't even know how to eat a gel. That's that's how done he is. Uh, they get to the final climb with like 15k to go. Ghana just sits on the front from 15k to go to 10k to go, putting out a lot of watts. I, I mean, when they were flashing it up on the screen. Sometimes he's doing like 570 watts in the front, which is a lot, which was really hard. Um, only downside of that is so he dropped George Bennett. He also drops his teammate, um, Jonathan Navarez, who was supposed to take over after Ghana pulls off. So like kind of everything is going to plan up to the point Ghana pulls off. Um, Ghana's controlled the race for like the last, you know, 50K. Uh, they've dropped the pink jersey. It looks like, okay, this is, this is the Ineos playbook. We've seen this Ghana pulls off. They have three more guys do exactly what Ghana's just done. They blow everyone up. Bernal wins the stage and gets the pink jersey I, we think i think that's what's going to happen but ghana pulls off and so one problem a he's dropped jonathan navarez so the guy who's supposed to work can't work because he's been dropped um castro viejo has to take over uh but he has a flat tire so that's also a problem also pavel sivakov isn't here because he has a broken collarbone from yesterday uh crashed out in the final of that so they're down a rider uh they've dropped a rider and they have a rider with a flat tire so Things start to go sideways right here. Um, Castrovejo is trying to pace, but he's just—it's just not fast enough. Um, the break, the gap to the break is actually going up. Um, Bennett catches back on. You can just see back the the group is growing. It's bunching. It, it's not hard enough. It's clear it's not hard enough. Um, Bernal's in, talking to his radio a lot at this point. I thought what was going on that Bernal was saying he is um, that it's just like this isn't fast enough. I need to attack. I need to to attack. Maybe that's what was happening. Because the climb doesn't get quote unquote hard until the last 5K. Last 5K is an average of 7.6%. Um, so if he was going to, going to attack, he had to do it there. If you attack earlier, you're wasting your energy. You're not going to stay away. 
Um, what funny thing happens? There's a little bit of like a flat from like five, like five and a half to four kilometers, um, and Ineos just totally sits up. John and Moscon was supposed to take over. Moscon just sits up and kind of gets dropped right there. So it's possible that the plan was Moscon was supposed to drill it on the flat section and just didn't have the legs. Um, and as soon as that happens, it's just the only people left are Martinez and Egon Bernal for Ineos. That's not enough. That's not enough riders to set pace to the end. So they sit up, they call an audible, uh, Dakota quick up takes over. And right here, I'm thinking like, well, this is interesting, but also this is the first time quick steps done anything all day. So they, they've really put themselves in a good position to just kind of like be vampires sucking off of Ineos's pace. And now they can invest into getting Rimco, you know, uh, into the, into the race lead if things go well. At 3.8 kilometers to go, uh, quick step setting a pretty hard pace. Uh, 3.5k to go, Bernal's fallen back into the group quite a bit. At this point, I thought like, ooh, like he's told the team to back off. He's not feeling well. Um, he's really hurting. 3k to go, Danny Martinez attacks. I'm thinking, well, I was wrong. Uh, this is, uh, they've called an audible. They know they can't control the race. So pretty good move here. I liked it. Martinez attacks. It serves two purposes, or three purposes, I guess. He's pretty high up in the GC, so Quickstep has to chase him. Let's say Quickstep doesn't chase him. He wins the stage and is leading the race. That's great for them. Uh, if Quickstep does chase him, Quickstep has to work and set pace. So it's like you can kind of control the race with fewer riders if you do this, because you can make other teams do what you want. If you know you don't have the riders to set a hard pace for the final three kilometers of a climb. You can have one rider attack, which forces a full team then to do work for your rider. So it's a clever little trick here. And it also, uh, kind of a third scenario, is it, it, it's a little test balloon. It's a trial balloon. It shows um, Bernal what would happen if he attacks. And Martinez doesn't get much of a gap because it's not steep enough. So right here, we know it's, it's this handy little, like a thermometer or something where it's like, well... Yeah, it's not steep enough to go, so so don't go yet. Um, Jai Henley gets dropped at 2K to go, runner-up last year. Uh, he's just not the same rider. He's not strong enough. Uh, does I, I don't know what... I mean, yes, last year was such a, such a weird year, a weird race. I mean, maybe that was just lightning in a bottle he caught. It's also possible that the, the level is just so much higher. I mean, the Peloton was spread so thin. The Giro was running the same time as the Vuelta and the same time as some spring classics, so... Um, there just wasn't the depth of, of, of talent that there is this year, so it's possible that's happening too. Um, Bernal attacks with 1.5k to go, uh, blows by Martinez, who's kind of just dangling out there. Um, and, and so Remco is right on his wheel. Rim, Remco looks great. Uh, Vlasov is distance, though. Alexander Vlasov, who is ahead of, ahead of Bernal in the GC. And so at 1.2k to go, I think Bernal, this, I think he makes a mistake here. He's, he, it starts to get in his head that uh, Remco, Ciccone, and Dan Martin are, are with him. He kind of gets in his head a bit. He starts to sit up. He's looking around, looking around. That's never a good sign. I mean, he's dropped Simon Yates and Vlasov. He just needs to keep pushing, pushing hard. And Hugh Carthy's dropped right here. So just take every second you can. The guys with you don't matter. I mean, Dan Martin's not a serious GC, GC threat. At this point, you just have to assume you're better than Remco if you're Egan Bernal. And Julio Ciccone is not also not a threat. He's not as good of a climber as Egan Bernal. Egan Bernal just needs to keep hammering here and wedge as much time as possible between himself, Simon Yates, and Hugh Carthy, and Alexander Vlasov. Um, he keeps, he, he kind of stays on the front, he slows up, 
uh, they go inside the 1K banner. He kind of gets back on the front again. I think this is this is a huge mistake. He could have put a lot more time in between in between himself and uh, those riders I just mentioned. At half uh, 500 meters to go, he's he's like swinging from side to side. Uh, Martin and I, at this point, I think Martin is like playing a game because if let's say Martin and Rimco or even Chicone wants to win the stage, they have to go right now. At this point, they're not going to catch Mater. They, there needs to be a big attack from one of them to to pull Mater back. So I start, yeah, I thought they were just being cagey, but then I'm like, well, maybe they're not. I don't quite know what's going on. Um, Bernal also thought they were being cagey, but if he just would have trusted himself and kept the pace on, we see at the end where Mater stays away for the win and Bernal gets second in that sprint and gets you know pretty valuable time bonus seconds. Um, Remco doesn't even, he gets fourth, doesn't even get a time bonus. Martin gets third that those guys were actually blown. So Bernal was the strongest in that group. If not, they would have sprinted him for um, for those time bonuses. So Bernal probably just should have like kept the pedal to the metal. Don't worry about them. I mean, maybe he drops one or two of them. So I think a mistake there. I think it shows a little bit of immaturity. He's not used to, um, I guess he's not leading the race, but he's kind of like a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, just really not used to racing from the front. And that, And if you remember the Tour de France that he won, he was behind the whole time. He was not the favorite. Um, he really won it in the last like two stages. So um, that I think that's just showing a little bit of inexperience and a little bit of immaturity and, and maybe not the best advice from the team car. I don't know what the team was telling him at that point, but they should have been telling him just forget about the guys with you. Just keep going. Keep going hard. Trust that you're strong. So when the stage is done, uh, we have Bernal, Martin, Remco at 12 seconds back. Ciccone has dropped a little bit, two seconds behind them. Um, Danny Martinez is so strong that he finishes, you know, 12 seconds behind the, the three GC leaders. And he's actually in front of like Mark Soler, Hugh Carthy, Alexander Vlasov, Simon Yates, um, who are eight, 17 seconds behind those three. So those guys lose a significant amount of time for a climb that is not that quote unquote hard. So th- that's 17 seconds. That's that significant time for a stage like today. Um, Bookman loses even more time. He is a further 38 seconds back with Roman Bardet, Tobias Foss, Joao Almeida, David Formolo, and Vincenzo, uh, Vincenzo Nibali is even further back. He is 45 seconds behind those three. Uh, so not, not a great day for him. I think it's clear. So we, we have some clarity here. It's also clear that Voss, Tobias Foss is the strongest rider in Yumbo, and Yumbo made a mistake having him sit up and wait for. Uh, George Bennett, who's just not in shape on stage four. That was actually a huge mistake. Foss could be in the race lead if they wouldn't have done that. The big, the big, big, big takeaway is that Remco is for real. Um, I was kind of doubting him in yesterday's podcast. I just didn't know. I, I We've not seen him ever race a Grand Tour. We've never really seen him climb, serious climbs against the best in the world. We just don't know a lot about this guy. He's 21 years old. He does. He hasn't raced that much, actually. Um, he hasn't won that much. Uh, he, he was injured for like nine months. So a lot of onion, unknowns with him, but obviously early in the race to be declaring anything, um, there's a lot left to go, but I think he's, he's for real. Um, and we really need to start considering him. I'm saying we, I'm the only one who's been doubting him. The media loves this guy. Fans love this guy, but I, yeah, I think he's, I don't think he's going to win this race, but he's, I don't think he's going to fall away anytime soon. I think he could crack in the Dolomites and some of these bigger, longer days that he's just not used to, but it's not going to be, I don't think he's just going to vaporize. I think 
Uh, Bernal, he's a serious problem for Bernal. Bernal's five seconds behind him, and there's a big looming time trial in the final stage, 30 kilometers long. So Bernal's going to need minutes, you know, probably two, two and a half minutes going into that final TT. Uh, maybe not that much, maybe two minutes even. So he's got a lot of work to do, a lot of time to make up. At this point, if we went to the final time trial tomorrow, Remco Evenepoel wins the race. Um, Attila Valter from Groupana gets, gets, actually gets the, the, uh, the Maglia Rosa, the pink jersey, by 11 seconds in front of Remco. So the GC is Attila Valter, Remco Evenepoel, Egan Bernal uh, are the top three. Alexander Vlasov's in fourth. Carthy falls down to sixth. Um, Dan Martin in ninth, Simon Yates in tenth. I'm Simon Yates looks like a dead fish here. Um, really, really bad performances from him. Pretty much every stage except the opening time trial where he was decent. So, uh, really, really, really concerned about him. Uh, I thought he was the favorite for this. We're kind of getting the Simon Yates of the last two years, not the Simon Yates of 2018. And if we, I mean. Obviously, it's early. We don't know anything yet, but Remco looks so much better than Simon Yates. Um, yeah. And so back to Ineos' decision to, to do all that work. I, I'm just wondering, what was their thought process here? Like, did They probably thought, you know, as they've done in the past, not really in the recent past, but in the further back past, they were able to just destroy the race. So if, if we're thinking like Ineos from 2012 to 20. 18 they drop everyone on that final climb bernal just like rides easy to the stage win uh 30 second gap back to remco remco's shattered and bernal's in pink maybe that they thought that was going to happen um i i applaud the initiative it was fun to watch it looked cool but I, i'm just wondering what was it all for because it, let's say just alternate universe they don't do anything probably about the same outcome i mean he puts 17 seconds into yates vlasov Carthy, he probably does that anyway. I, I don't think the, the hard, I think he could have gotten that time anyway. I mean, maybe not. Um, doesn't drop Remco, puts no time into Remco. Well, he gets a time bonus. So he gets a, he gets a six second time bonus. Remco gets nothing. You know, that's not insignificant. Um, but yeah, the, you're, you're, the margins here are small. If you think of like Ineos's cycling team as a, as a corporation, Margins used to be incredibly fat. You know, it's if you go, you go back to those 2013 Tour de France's stage exactly like today, uh, Chris Froome is getting minutes, like a minute and a half, two minutes on the next closest uh, GC contender when they finished. Now they're fighting for seconds. So you just see how, how the, the marketplace has gotten a lot more competitive and Enios is just not able to carve out those fat, fat margins anymore. And, you know, maybe they're aware of that. I mean, maybe they think, yeah, we're going to do all this work. We're going to use Filippo Ghana, you know, work him, you know, to, until he's close to dead, and we're going to get a few seconds, um, which wouldn't be the, I guess it's not the worst idea because, you know, if you think of all three Grand Tours last year, we're won by less than a minute. So uh, people will scoff at 17 seconds and scoff at six seconds between Remco and Bernal, but, uh, if, you know, the the data does say that's important. People always say, well, in the third week, the gaps will be bigger, but you don't know that. And actually, you know, the historical data, the modern historical data is that the gaps will actually won't be that big in the third week. And you need to take as much time whenever you can. So, and if we remember back to the, the 2022 to France, um, everyone gave, 
Yumbo so much crap for not trying to, um, in retrospect, not putting, trying to put more time into Pogachar earlier in the route. Uh, they really got roasted for that. And this is, I guess, if you were, if you're, you know, going to apply that same criticism and logic here, you'd say, well, that's exactly what Ineos is doing. They're trying to avoid the Roglic situation, the Roglic disaster of 2020, where he just gets the, the jersey ripped off him on the final stage. I guess the final competitive stage of that race. It is the final stage. The time trial is the final stage here. So uh, it, it's quite possible that, that these aggressive tactics are, even if they're not netting huge gaps at this point, it's not nothing. I mean, think if Roglic would have taken six seconds from Pogachar five and five stages early in that race, um, you know, he could have maybe held him off in that time trial. So, you know, it, you know, the, the more I think about it, the more I actually kind of agree with this Ineo strategy. It looks like they're investing a lot of energy and not getting a lot back, but they are, uh, they're at least getting something for it. And we might scoff at it. We might think minutes are coming later, but um, if you just think back to that 2020 tour, I mean, it, maybe they've watched that and learned something from it. So pretty interesting to think about that. So yeah, it, it looked it looks a bit silly when I was watching. I was thinking like, well, what was the point of all of that? But you know, perhaps they're happy with this. Perhaps they're happy with you know they're they're, they're really putting dirt on Vincenzo Nibali's grave. Um, they further distanced Joao Almeida. Uh, Roman Bardet, Emmanuel Bookman are pretty far back now. Uh, and they just, I guess they, you know, they wedge time between themselves and Carthy and Vlasov and Yates. So it's not nothing. And six seconds on Remco is, is pretty big. I mean, if you think Bernal lost 20 seconds to Remco in the opening time trial, and now he's within four seconds of him. So that's pretty good. I mean, he's, he's chipping away here. He's slowly chipping away and leapfrogging those who beat him. I mean, Vlasov put significant time into him in the opening TT, and now he is eight seconds up on Bernal. So um, it, it's hard to say it was a bad day for them. I just was wondering, I was just wondering if it was worth it, if they think that was worth it. Um, if we look at the next stages, so tomorrow's a hilly stage. Saturday, stage eight, it is an uphill finish. But it's it's shorter. I mean, I don't know if any of these stages are going to be easy. It's three point five, three point one kilometers at six point five percent. So that's not an easy stage. And then stage nine is a summit finish. This is on it's on Sunday. It's a summit finish with gravel at the end. And the summit finishes the summit, quote unquote, is only six k long. But it's really climbing from from forty three kilometers out until the finish. So. Uh, that's going to be a really hard stage too. I don't know. I think they could have, I think maybe playing it a little bit more conservatively would have been the move, especially with those stages coming up and especially being a man down uh, in considering what they got. You know, you could argue maybe they don't, they're not able to get that time on Carthy and Martin and Yates if they don't set pace. So that would be the counter argument, but you know, we'll know by, by Sunday, if this was a good idea or not a good idea, if they're on their knees by Sunday, this was silly. If they're just as strong on Sunday, this was smart. So that's, that's the takeaway here. And I think it's pretty clear at this point that Ineos is just, even though if they look strong, they're actually not that strong. Um, and that, that's not, I don't say that to be mean or just to levy a criticism for the sake of doing it. But Ghana's strong. I mean, Ghana was on the front for so much. But other than that, I mean, they had to, they had to retreat and, you know, re- you know, come up with a new strategy in the final climb because they just didn't have the strength to 
to grind people away. I mean, this is good for us, the viewer, because when they are, it stinks to watch. Uh, Danny Martinez is only a minute and six seconds back in the GC. So I, what I would like to see them do going forward is using him as a bit of a, like a joker card where, you know, maybe tomorrow they could send him in the break instead of controlling the race all day and just having Dakota quick step sit on, you know, kind of be vampires, just suck on their, just sit on their wheel and suck energy and just like let them control the race for them. And then they get to get a free ride. You give, you know, because Remco, they don't know. No one knows. No one knows how he's going to react in the third week, but you can't just assume that he's going to fall apart. Um, if you think about Tade Pokachar's first grand tour in 2019, the Vuelta, he was actually a year younger than Remco is now. He was 20. Uh, he got stronger throughout that race. The only reason Roglic could beat him was that he put time into him early. So Ineos, you know, probably wants to put time into him and put pressure on him. You don't want to just you don't want to let him and his team just sit on sit on your wheel um, into the second and third week. So I think a, a tactic the tactic I would would try to implement is putting Martinez into a break. I mean, that's the point of having a rider that far up, having a B leader like that. Um, you want to use him in breaks like that. Put him in the break and let Dakota Quick say, "Hey, are you guys going to chase that down, or are you going to let it go out?" And then Martinez is in a contender. So. I think that's what they should do. I think that's the pressure point. And I think they could, they could wreak a little bit of havoc inside the Kona Quick Step and put a lot of pressure on, on them if they did that. So I, I'm curious to see if that happens this weekend. Uh, the stage on Saturday is tough. Sunday's even tougher. And both are great for breakaways. Then stage nine is actually, on Sunday, it's going to be pretty, pretty dang good, especially with that gravel at the end. That will complicate things. So uh, enjoy the racing and talk to you soon.